Hi, I'm Bee Heller, your host of The Pioneers, a podcast series in which I interview business founders and leaders who are pioneering new ways of working and management practices, all with the aim of creating inspiring company cultures. Today, I'm talking to Sophie Costello, founder of Costello Medical. Before they'd even hired their first employee, Sophie was determined to create a company where people could find their niche and fulfil their potential. By listening to what people want at every stage of the company's growth, she's built a culture in which people flourish. People told us that we had to employ people with years of experience if we wanted to grow, but what we wanted to do was create a company where people with the right skill set from university could come in and we would get them to realise their potential. The Pioneers is a podcast for business founders and people leaders who are striving to make their own workplaces deliver for their people and who want their culture to be a source of strength that's likely to drive the future growth of their company. I interview business founders and people leaders we can all learn something from. I try to get past the conceptual ideas and bring you the day-to-day habits and practices these businesses and leaders use to create and sustain their cultures. I'll bring you one pioneer each episode, so tune in for 30 minutes of wisdom and practical ideas that you can test in your own organisation each week. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. I please get you just to start by introducing yourself. Who are you and where are we at the moment? I am Sophie Costello and I'm the founder of Costello Medical and today we are in our London offices on Chancery Lane but our headquarters where I'm based is in Cambridge so that's where I normally am but I pop down to see the team here as often as my sort of work allows me. So. Yes and I've, I've learned a little bit about you already so yeah. um, something non-work related about you. Non-work related about me is that I have four children um, under the age of seven so I'm quite busy and also I'm training for the London Marathon for reasons that I do not know but it's a good escape for my kids because my husband has to let me go out running but I'm not a runner and I'm not in any way sort of into exercise but for some reason I've been convinced I should run the London Marathon. Who's to blame? My husband. Okay. Yeah yeah. yeah. Well that's a good one. Yeah yeah so now he has to he has to support me when I go off my shuffles around Cambridge. Oh amazing. Have you ever done a marathon before? Nope I've never even ran a 5k before so I was starting from a place of you know not having any trainers to 26 miles. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, yes. We'll see how that goes. Oh, well, I'll come and cheer you on that. Mm, sure. I think I'll probably <laughs> need to be there three days after it starts to cheer me <laughs> to the end. But. Um, so coming back to Costello Medical, yeah. why did you start Costello Medical? Um, it was really because of a situation in my personal life. So I was, I'd left university. I had dabbled Um, in accountancy in as much as I'd got a job in accountancy and I was there for six months and then I suddenly realised this is not for me. Um, I did a master's um, in kind of business and science and then I got a job in a consultancy and I was there for five years um, and then at that time my brother um, unexpectedly experienced a really severe brain injury, very severe. He was in intensive care um, and nearly died and um, still sadly very ill now but when that happened um, I sort of realised that you can have a difficult thing in one part of your life but not both and I was enjoying my job sort of the content of it but I wasn't enjoying where I was working for various reasons so because I needed to sort of support my family I quit my job um, and then during that time we'd always me and Richard my husband had always sort of 
talked about maybe starting something on our own or starting a business on our own but always I guess been scared you know like what if you fail or what if it doesn't go well and then when something scary out of your control in your personal life happens I think it just makes you go well if I take a risk in my professional life and it goes wrong you know what have I lost what have I lost so it was kind of that sort of life is short and grab opportunities but then also through sort of having to reflect my own career and realizing that I liked my job in some ways, but I didn't like where I was working. And looking around at a lot of our friends and thinking, actually, a lot of people who've worked really hard, really talented, are just not happy at work. We sort of thought that is a real shame because um, there's a lot of people who liked what they were doing but didn't like where they were doing it or were stuck in a rut. And we just thought there's not that many people we know who really like their careers. So I guess that made us think maybe we could try and create something where people would like coming to work not all the time but some of the time so it was kind of those who think those things having the kind of being given a kind of kickstart to be brave enough to do it and also thinking you know life is short and maybe it'd be nice to try and create a place that was a good place to work I guess that was kind of the dream at the beginning so those things all sort of came together in one go and we kind of went and registered the company and off we went so so fair to say that you right at the start did actually have an idea of the kind of business not just what you were going to do but the sort of business you wanted to be yeah definitely I I remember we registered the company on the 11th of November in 2008 and that Christmas we sat and wrote our first business plan the two of us probably with a few sherry's inside (laughs) us but you know (laughs) dreaming big and um yeah part of what we wrote there was the kind of company that we were trying to create and that's something we go back to a lot to say well are we still doing it because it's quite easy to say that when it's just two of you and you're you know full of the idealistic notion of what it's going to be like so yeah I think we did have quite a strong sense of what we wanted to do right from the beginning I guess. And can I just quickly get you to share what is it that Costello Medical does? Yeah so what we do is we do the analysis and interpretation of scientific data. So we work with um, the pharmaceutical industry and the public sector, and we do pro bono work for charities, really taking scientific data in various forms and analysing it in some cases, interpreting it, and then communicating it. And we do that in various ways. It's through um, medical education for doctors or for health economics submissions to NICE or... Um, medical writing so it's lots of different things that we do but in its core it's kind of taking scientific data analyzing it understanding it and then communicating it back out your people are your product yes we don't have if we don't have good people we don't have anything basically because we don't sell a product we sell our services what's been your proudest moment oh there's been so many um lots and lots but i think the proudest moment i've had um was when we got in the Times top 100 small companies to work for because we'd sort of been doing that I think it was the third year we'd taken part in that survey and we'd we'd gone from a two-star accreditation then a three-star accreditation and then one year we sort of got the email that we'd got in the top 100 and for me that was just you know that was when I saw sort of people crying around the company because they were like you know that is all of us together creating something that people like and here here it is people have said they like it in an anonymized way so to get that kind of feedback that people actually did enjoy working that was 
yeah from an external external source yeah and I think um we found that out and when we sort of presented it at the Christmas party you could see there was just a you know it was a success for everybody because it was the culture was created by everybody in it so it's not kind of HR's success or the senior management's success it's it's everybody because I think what people hopefully like about working here is that they are work among friends as it were so to sort of get that and to have that sort of badge of yes we've we've created somewhere that people do like working all of us together that was really yeah that was special your people must have been very very important to you from the start what have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced from a people management perspective I think finding the right people is hard um you know finding the people with the right skill set but the right who are going to buy into the culture we always sort of say we're looking for kind of an aptitude to do the work but also the right attitude so finding people um has always been one of the hardest things but as we've grown because our people are so important engaging with them is really important so that they kind of buy into the values that we have and that was not easy but easier at the beginning when it was six of us in a room or seven of us or eight of us and we would have one meeting a week where we talk about things and we all knew each other really well and you know they could see that what I was saying I was doing as it were and as we get bigger it's just harder to create those personal connections with Mm -hmm. everybody and to make people realize that you do really care about them and so I think that is the biggest challenge is making people believe in the culture of the company when there's sort of lots of us rather than six of us how many people are you now we are 130 now spread across the world as well yeah an office in Singapore um, and then London and Cambridge and soon to be a few more offices so kind of making those connections gets increasingly challenging I would say do you see there is an opportunity for smaller businesses startups to create a different kind of work experience clearly when you started Costello Medical that was part of your ambition yeah do you think that genuinely is an opportunity to challenge the way the world is working I think so I mean I think one of the things that we did when we started the company because we're a people-based business people kept telling and I had experience in what we did but not you know I had like six or seven years so I was junior as it were in terms of the sphere of experience I had and people told us that we had to employ people with years of experience if we wanted to grow but we didn't want to do that because what we wanted to do was create a company where people with the right skill set from university people who'd shown that they had kind of an attitude for science and um, sort of a commitment to quality which is what we kind of based the company on that they could come in and we would train them and grow them and develop them and get them to realize their potential so um, at the beginning it was difficult because we were taking people with no experience um, and growing them basically and I think that that's the opportunity startups have because a lot of those people who joined right at the beginning are still here and they have had you know careers that have progressed really quickly because of yeah. their talent and their ambition and because when it was small we were able to just make things happen very yeah. quickly if somebody wanted to do something they could just do it and and from that group of people who joined us initially you know they've all sort of furnished their own career path within the company some of them have gone on to do great things beyond the company but a lot of them are still here and are doing things that probably they would never have expected when they joined us either straight out of university or yeah. after their PhD or so and I think that's 
the benefit of a small organisation is getting the best out of people quickly and sort of enabling them to sort of fulfil and realise their ambitions quicker than they might elsewhere, I guess. Yeah, so. and not be constrained by, you know, this is the career ladder or exactly. the career progression that, that, that we've laid out for you yeah. and you've got to stay on this path. Yeah, and to be able to say to them, you know, this company will move in the direction we as individuals take it and for that to be very real to them and very tangible and for them to be able to see it um, happen. You know, that's kind of how our Singapore office happened, that our head of Asia Pacific said to me, I'd really like to travel and live somewhere else. And we were like, don't leave, <laughs> set up an office somewhere else. And he went on a plane and went to a conference and said, you know, Asia is, we've definitely a market in Asia for what we're doing. And then off he went. So, that's you know, fantastic. so that kind of thing of trying to like understand what individuals want and where possible making that happen, Yeah, I think is easier when there's not so many of you. What so. a brilliant example. What a brilliant yeah. example. Um, so what do you think's been the most successful thing? If you were to pick one thing that you've done that you think this has contributed to our culture from, yeah, what would be the most successful thing? I actually, when I sort of knew we were going to be speaking, I thought I'd better ask some people about that. So I just put out a post on our sort of networking channel this morning to say kind of what is it? Um, and people said that they think that it's we try to listen to what people are saying so I think we recognize that keeping the same culture gets harder every time we add new people and that the most important thing is to make sure we listen to what they want and what they want from us Um, so we try to kind of be really open and honest with them with everybody here and every year we've done this since we were small we run an employee survey where we ask everybody to anonymously sort of you know, we ask a series of questions and it always makes me really nervous because I feel like it's my performance review because <laughs> <laughs> the results come in and I scrutinise them. And But to try and look at that and say, well, what do they want and where are we succeeding and where are we failing and where are we letting them down and where are we doing well? And then to really try and look at what they say and act on it, even if sometimes it feels oh, like, is that quite the right thing to do? But to say, well, no, you know, there's got to be trust. We're asking them a question. They're telling us honestly what they think and it's up to us to try and respond and you know address the concerns they have so I think that side of things of just trying to be as honest and open with everybody as possible and recognize that we're not getting things right all the time but asking them you know where are we not getting this right and what can we do to fix it and then doing it has been something that's you know helped Way. Just the fact that this morning you went out to ask people what it is that yeah. we do is sort of a demonstration in and of itself that that's how you yeah, operate. I sort of thought, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I've got my own ideas, but I don't know. So I think sort of having that um, openness with people as far as possible um, to understand what they want from us and to try and give it to them, that kind of trust. You know, yeah. we sort of talk about what they can expect from us trying to run the company when we've never done it before and what we can expect from from them and and you know trying to work together essentially to yeah. figure that out a lot of um a lot of companies do an annual engagement survey yeah. and ask their team members you know what do you like about working here how engaged are you yeah. do you feel like you have opportunities to learn and progress and all those sorts of questions yeah. um and it's usually outsourced to an HR department who, yeah. you know, are held responsible for running that survey and yeah. reviewing the answers and probably designing the solutions or the, the things that they're going to do in response. Yeah. I think the big difference is 
actually if you're the founder and owner person running the company you're in that position where you can really really make a difference it's not sort of I think it's important enough that we do it, but yeah. I'm going to make it somebody yeah. else's problem. Yeah. In fact, it's almost like something I take so personally that when the results come, my husband's always like, oh, no, you're going to start scrutinizing, you know, <laughs> scrutinizing every comment. But, you know, it, the most important thing to me is that people generally like working here. That's why we wanted to set the company up in the first place. So if people are not happy, then it doesn't really matter what else is going on. It doesn't feel worth it in yeah. some ways and it's something I often say well, not often but occasionally say to people um, is you know if you don't feel excited about the work or if you don't believe me or if you don't like the company you should work somewhere else because life is short and we want people who feel that way and we're not going to get it right for everybody but if you don't feel like that um, and you know I just think it's important to say that to people that that's what we want we want people to be happy mm. and if we're not able to do that maybe it's not the right job or the right place so yeah. Um, do you encourage that level of open conversation with not just between you and everybody else but particularly as you grow between your management team and others yeah we've sort of set the company up um, I mean it happens quite naturally because we've got different technical specialties but we have divisions um, that are all managed by a division head who sort of is what we would call the senior management and those teams are the right size so that you know they have they have close relationships with everybody in their team and we try to have that and we do all things like you know 360 feedback and trying to just keep those channels open, open. but yeah to, and we we just um sister actually who you know has just run some focus groups where when we identify an issue that we think okay that is a problem and we don't understand it or we then you know she's running groups that where people can go and speak with her or you know and tell her what they're concerned about so we just are trying to do that all the time to understand what we're getting right and what we're getting wrong. Um, what have you? What would be an example of something you've changed in response to um, that level of employee feedback? Yeah, I think um, flexible working was a big one because when we founded the company, because there wasn't many senior people, we needed everyone in the office all the time, and that's the way I was used to working. It makes me feel old, but I, you know, we did. We just all worked in the office, and people kept saying, "We want to work from home more. We want flexible working." And I was worried, like, how will it work with all our clients that we've got to service? And so I was sort of instinctively against it mm. because I was worried what it was going to do to the dynamics. But we trialed it, and everybody loves it. So I think that's the kind of thing of just listening to things, and even if you think, "Ah, oh, I'm not sure that's going to work." giving it a go and finding out that actually it's fine and people will make it work and it makes a big difference to people. What gave you confidence that it was working beyond everybody loves it? I think that um, we sort of, we did it and we had a list of what are the things that could show this is a problem and then we would just talk about it and all the senior people and all the junior people would say, well that's not caused an issue, that thing that we thought was going to be a worry isn't a worry so sort of having your eyes open to it when we when we founded the London office that was kind of because a lot of people said we want to move to London we don't want to live in Cambridge anymore and we thought well we don't want to lose them so we've got to investigate it and we saw all the problems you know the expense of an office in London mm-hmm. and having people split and how will it work but because it's what people wanted we thought well we've got to give it a go our people are the most important thing we don't want to lose them because of a practical issue and we made a list of all the things that we thought might not work when we split across offices and actually it was all fine because mm-hmm. I think if you do, you know, within the realms of practicality, if you do what people need you to do, they make it 
work because they're benefiting from it as well. So I think um, the, have you come across the concept of a pre-mortem? No. Uh, <laughs> so so if you're looking at um, trying to make a decision mm. about something, the idea of a pre-mortem is if we make this decision, what if it doesn't work, yeah. what would have happened? in say six months time that we'd, yeah. have, that we'd know it hadn't that it'd been a failure sure. yeah. and so you're almost uh, trying to predetermine all the things exactly as you did with yeah. flexible working predetermine all the things that would be a sign it's a failure and by doing them in advance you've got your checklist so it gives you the confidence to go and experiment with yeah. something because you can then say look we know if any of these things happen that's a sign that yeah. it's, it's not working and we yeah. can look out for them and if they don't happen then it's signs that it is working yeah. Um, yeah. but just by being really conscious about that up front you you minimize I think that risk that you take a decision to do something and all you then do is look for signs that it is working because you've already committed to the decision and I think also by having those conversations and you know discussing as a group where the issues are everybody buys into solving them it doesn't become management's responsibility to fix it or it doesn't become one person's responsibility it's kind of a collective effort Mm. of okay that could cause problems but if we all try not to let it then generally you know things work out I think so um... I I can hear I mean I know why you pick listening as your that's the thing that has been kind of really critical for establishing your culture because you can just hear it in everything that you're saying about other things that you try just just listening to what people are saying back to us and having those open conversations yeah and even listening when it's something you don't want to hear sometimes when you listen the first time and go that can't be true and then you listen again and you actually they've got a point and mm. trying to say to people we're, we're trying our best we're you know and, and I think explaining to the people um, across the company some of the challenges we have to face and we found that's been a really good thing as well we've always tried to for example not I mean profit is not the reason we exist we sort of have, we need to make profits so that we can give opportunities to people and so that we can grow but we've never made that the target so we mm. don't spend too much time looking at budgets and assessing that kind of thing but sometimes as you grow that becomes more of an issue and we found that it was much more difficult to get people mobilized to change something if we weren't clear about why and last year we had you know um, something where we needed to focus on budgets a little bit um, for various reasons and instead of sort of hiding that away we just spoke to the senior team and said we need to look at this and we need to raise the profitability on some of our projects and we need to spend a bit more time on client work and a bit less time on some of the internal things and just by being clear to them about why they they did it you know they understood whereas I think instinctively before we might have just thought well that's a problem for us to kind of fix and we wouldn't have been honest about why we were asking people to do things and Mm. sort of learn to just be a bit more open about what you need people to do and then they generally will do it hopefully. yeah yeah is there anything really radical or innovative that you think you've done to influence the culture or the way you manage people I think um the the thing of just growing people from the ground up has been perhaps something that's unusual in our sector because um you know we do need specific skills and we could get them from outside the company because there's a lot of other consultancies out there and there's a lot of people working in our industry in the pharmaceutical sector and that would have helped us to grow quicker or helped us to move the company along faster but we've always just thought 
you know, if we do that, all the things we promise people about you'll progress fast and you can take the company in the direction you want and if you've got an idea, you can take it forward, those will be taken away if we bring people with more experience in, you know, people will feel blocked. So I don't know if it's innovative, but what we've really tried to do is just say, we'll find people before they've got the experience and we'll train them and we'll believe in their sort of skills and talent rather than years of experience. And obviously, we've got a lot of people now who have got a lot of experience, but still, you know, it's about just kind of opening up the company, I guess, so that people always feel that they've got a way, a career to Allowing them to go to Singapore. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And trying to just say, if somebody wants to, to do something, then just try and you know, make it happen. We had um, one of our um, senior members of our publications team came to me and said that he needed to move to the north because his partner had moved several times for him and now it was his turn back. And he said, I really don't want to leave the company. I don't know what to do. And so now we're going to have an office in Manchester <laughs> next year just because, you know, I said to him, you're going to be sorry you asked this because now you have to go and open an office somewhere else. But just to try and think, you know, the people we have are so brilliant we just don't want to lose them. So to try and find any way we can to keep them motivated, to keep them, you know, keep it fitting with their personal lives, to give them a sabbatical if that's what they need, to give them what they need so that they don't feel they have to leave us, that yeah. we can try and give them what they want. Yeah. Um, and I guess at different stages of their life as well, you know, yeah. people have families or they need a bit of time away or they need a different challenge or they want to live somewhere else to try and get them to take us with them as it were. Mm. The thing about listening to people, one thing we always try and do as well is because obviously things are not perfect and things go wrong and we get things wrong and sometimes we recruit the wrong people and we always try to say let's make decisions not for negative reasons. Like if somebody has created an issue over here that's caused us to like lose trust in let's not transfer that to everybody else. Let's make decisions for the best people and the good people and not sort of be pulled in the direction of oh someone's let us down or... Um, this, you know, HR problem over here. Let's not change all the policies because of a bad thing. Let's always try and do it for the, for the people good. who deserve it the most. I think, yeah. um, and that's what we always try and do. You know, when we're sitting making a difficult decision, think, well, who's? Let's make a decision for the people who we want to keep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's it's such a joy to hear you <laughs> say that. Um, we're at the pioneers, we talk about the pioneers in organisations. So we think if you apply a standard to any population, you expect to get a normal distribution. So yeah. people want to fit in. They yeah. want to. So most people look around them and they copy the behaviours of the people around them when they arrive in a new environment. Yeah. Because that's where it feels comfortable. Yeah. You will get a few people who underperform. Yeah. Um, that's like the nature of human beings, and yeah. they do something that you know, means they're getting a worse result. But you also get people who outperform. Yeah. People who do something different, and they they get a better result than than, than the group. Yeah. And we call those the pioneers. Yeah. And if you're trying to create a constantly improving environment, what you want to do is make your pioneers more influential on the behaviour of everybody else. Yeah. What businesses so often do is, in order to manage underperformance, so much of the conversation is focused on the negative things that are happening or the underperformance that actually what you do is you start to drag overall performance down because you're you're focused on uh, all the conversation is about the the areas where it's going wrong or what's what's not going right whereas if you try to focus if you focus the conversation at the other end on what's going well how can we encourage more of those behaviors how can we create an environment that encourages more of those behaviors you send a signal to everybody that what this company is about is constantly stretching 
constantly yeah. stretching ourselves. And actually, the norm in the group is perceived by everybody to be slightly higher than it really is because you're spending all your time talking about how do you create an environment that suits them whereas if you talk about underperformance you actually send a signal to everybody that really the norm in your group is slightly worse than than the reality because you're spending your time trying to solve underperformance and you're missing all the great stuff so it's like you've really to, to me, I'm like, oh, it's music to my ears. It's like they're spending all their time. Let's let's create an environment that works for yeah. our pioneers or the people. And I think when we look at people, it's what I mentioned earlier, sort of like aptitude and at- attitude is to say for people with a great attitude who want to improve, like trying to get them in the right job. So if they're in a job that actually doesn't quite suit them, but they will listen to us and we want to work together, to, then to try and say, well, where where would you fit? Maybe you should move into a different role or maybe you should move into a different team or maybe, you know, because I think that's the thing that we've sort of learned, that somebody can be brilliant technically on paper, but if they don't sort of have the same ways of working that we Mm. do, it's very difficult. So finding the people who kind of believe what we believe and want to work the way everybody here does, that's 90% of things done and it's just about getting them in the right place where they can be happy and fulfilled and do yeah. the kind of work they want to do yeah. yeah 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 okay looking to the future mm. a little bit then um what kind of a place to work would do you want costello medical to be in say three years time i hope that it will be similar to it is now i, I think it will keep growing because we sort of grow so that we can do different things and people can be challenged. But I hope that it still has the feeling of support and friendliness, which are sort of words that, you know, they sort of lose their value sometimes. But here, you know, there's friendly faces around everywhere. And I I sort of hope it will still be a place because when we founded the company, what I wanted it to be was when people were going through difficult things outside of work, like I had, for work to be like a help and not a hindrance, a place where you could come and be looked after and where you'd felt supported and where you felt at home, really. So I hope that in three years' time, I hope it feels like it now. It does to me, obviously, but I don't know <laughs> if it does to people. Like, sort of a home from home. You spend so much time at work. But I yeah. think that's what we wanted it to be, a place, place where people felt comfortable and felt like they had friends and felt like they could share their problems and, you know, share their ambition and it be treated in the right way and so I hope that in three years it will still feel like that it's something we talk about all the time yeah yeah <laughs> you know we just talk about it all the time whenever we talk about growing everyone goes but what what if we lose the nice things do you know the thing that I reflect on as you um were speaking then you're growing not because you want to grow to grow the business you're growing or what you've just articulated is you're growing because you want to grow to give people opportunity yeah to and that is that's the opportunity that means that they continue to find this place yeah. exactly what you've just described. Yeah, so that. they stay. We know that if we don't keep giving them, you know, that we don't want um, the company to be a place where people start their careers or have a job. We want it to be a place where they build their careers. And to do that, yeah, we have to keep getting bigger in different places and different service offerings. And we never, ever had any, you know, expectation that the company would be this size. And we have no, like, growth targets or plans for how many people we want um you know sometimes I say to people there is no big master plan <laughs> I don't know whether that makes them happy or terrified but you know 
I think when I think about the company in three years time I think I know what I'd like the culture to be like but in terms of what we're doing I don't think I know because I, I didn't know that this is where we'd be I think it'll happen by what they decide to do with it yeah. and hopefully we can just go with that. it yeah mm. yeah that's interesting what do you think your customers or your clients, maybe you call them, uh, will, will be saying about you? I hope that they, in a sort of a similar way, when we started to get bigger, they sort of panicked and were like, the quality will go down and the customer service will go down. And and actually, it's got better because the more of us there are with more experience, I think it's improved. So I hope that hmm. they'll be stay, saying that what we deliver, um, that the quality of the work we deliver and the personal customer service and the focus on getting the job done properly rather than worrying about if we've spent a bit more time than they're paying us mm. for which is something we've always tried to say you know we people should be able to focus on doing the work they love and not worry too much about the financial side of it I think if our clients still feel like that's what they're getting that they're getting people who really want to deliver to them the best sort of regardless then that will be that will be what you know that would be success in my eyes if our clients still feel that way and I think that's another thing gets harder the bigger you get what will your employees be saying about you about the company yeah um yeah not you no (laughs) I don't (laughs) want to know that (laughs) um I I hope that they will I hope that they'll say that we've done our very best to hold on to all of the good things about a small company culture as we've got bigger I don't think they'll be saying we've got it all right and that we were able to retain everything that they liked at the beginning. But for the people who've been here a long time, I want them to say that we tried everything that we could and that we made that a focus and that we worked on not losing the things that were brilliant when there were eight of us as we got bigger. And I think for newer people, hopefully they'll be saying that they do see that they can... fulfill their potential with us. I think that's the hardest thing to make people believe that that's still true, but I think it is still true that there's lots someone who joined us today could achieve quickly, just like when people first joined us. And I think, I hope that that's what they'll be saying, um, even though it gets harder to make people believe, believe that, that, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the thing with potential is as much about making people believe that this is a place where you can fulfill your potential as helping people to see what that potential could look like. Yeah, exactly. So yes, there's a belief that this place can do this for you, yeah. but also come and we can actually help you to stretch yeah. yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think that recognising that the way you do that as you get bigger has to be different. You sort mm-hmm. of want it to remain organic and not planned and not forced. But as you get bigger, you realise, no, actually, it's going to people need direction because... Like you say, it's just much harder to see when you've got a hundred people versus three. Or... Yeah, and actually, interesting. Do you think you attract different types of people when you are bigger than when you are? I think brand we, new. I think we do. Although we were talking about this in a senior team meeting the other day about you know, do we still need to attract entrepreneurs? And then I sort of made us reflect, like, were any of us really that entrepreneurial? Or did we just find a place where we could, you know, do well and where our skill set was suited to it? And actually, you know, I would say the company is not jam-packed full of entrepreneurs. And it's just about finding the people who like the work and Mm. giving them a chance to grow. Thank you very much. Very Is there welcome. anything else that you would like to share? Yeah, I just feel so lucky to work with the people here. They're just, uh, yeah, they're amazing. That's so, amazing. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's the thing, that even when clients are being tricky or, you know, the business is sort of putting pressure, you know, I feel pressure from it. A day in the office chatting to people, I always go away thinking it's going to be fine. They're all great, you know, <laughs> we'll get through this. And, and that I think that's the nice thing to work with people where you sort of feel that you can kind of face anything, I guess. Yeah. And that's how I feel about the people that it, I work it's with. A, it's yeah. a real team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. If you've enjoyed this show, please leave a review wherever you found this podcast. It helps other people find us and to spread these ideas. If you end up testing any of the ideas shared in this show in your own organisation, please tell us about it at getintouchatthepioneers.co.uk. We love to hear your stories. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you.